Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no offseason. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this outside on a beautiful day in Pasadena, and I am currently on a hill overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Uh, I'm sometimes I say that tongue in cheek to try to make myself sound like I have this luxurious studio that overlooks the Rose Bowl. But as I'm saying the words I'm saying right now, I'm currently looking at the Rose Bowl as I'm up on this hill. You know, I love this part of the city. You know, this I love this part of LA County. You know, uh, my is it my hometown? Is Pasadena now my hometown? I, I suppose it kind of is. I mean, I've been living here for, it'll be 10 years in August. Can you believe that? Although I've been back and forth between here and the Silicon Valley so much, is it kind of, it's difficult to sort of say this is where my, my roots are. But yeah, this is, I guess, so where are you from? Where are you from is different, is a different question than where do you live? Where you're from is, for me, means where did you grow up? How did, where did you evolve as a human being? And in many ways, that, where you, that question of where you're from dictates the team that you root for. And that becomes kind of a shorthand of where you're from. I know plenty of people who live here in L.A. who I've known from over the years, and almost none of them are Dodgers or Angels fans. Some of them are because they didn't have a team and they moved out here. But almost everyone I know, if they're from the Philadelphia area, they're Phillies fans. You know, if they're from New York, they're Yankee or Met fans. If they're from Chicago, they're, you know, they, if they're, you know, guests of the podcast like, you know, Joe Montaigne, for example. Or Anthony Rapp, both of them were been on the podcast. Both live out here in Southern California. Both are not moving anytime soon, but they're all Chicago Cub fans. A friend of the podcast, Jimmy Pardo, is you know not leaving LA. Now he keeps talking about he's never going to move back to Chicago, but he remains a passionate Chicago White Sox fan. I haven't lived in New England since 1987. Say for a couple of months, I lived with my cousin in 1994. So even even using that, uh, it's been decades that I've, since I've lived in New England, and yet I'm a Red Sox fan. And by all accounts, I should be a Dodger fan or or an Angels fan. And it it hasn't even occurred to me to switch allegiances. Now, I have said. That if I ever move to the Pacific Northwest, I may very well adopt the Seattle Mariners because I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the Mariners. And if I wind up living in the Pacific Northwest, then I will go all in on the Pacific Northwest. But I'm not. I'm here in L.A. County, and I'm looking at the Rose Bowl. I I know it sounds like I'm avoiding the issue. The Red Sox have lost... Two straight games to the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees are absolutely on fire right now. And I can't, you can't help but admire what they're doing. I, 
not a Yankee fan, despite the fact that I lived in New York for 15 years. I spent every summer of my life nearer uh, New York than to Boston in Fairfield County. I, but the idea of rooting for the Yankees is just that it's just not going to happen. But you got to give them credit where credit's due. You can't sit there and say the Yankees suck. I mean, the Yankees have won 17 out of 18 games. And not just winning 17 out of 18 games playing tomato cans either. They've beaten the snot out of the Indians, out of the Angels, out of the Astros, and now are probably going to sweep the Red Sox. You know, those are the teams, if you look at, if you write a short list of the teams that are going to make it to the American League playoffs this year, the Indians, Red Sox, Angels, and Astros would all be on that list. And the Yankees have stared down this gauntlet and have won a grand to- have lost a grand total of one game. And a lot of the games that they've won are games where they have been trailing or tied late in the game. In both Red Sox games, Red Sox tied the first game early, and they had a with a Mookie Betts triple, and then they took the lead late. The Red Sox took the lead late the other day with a Hanley Ramirez homer, and both times the Yankees came back to win. Now the Yankees, you know, kicked the tar out of the Angels, but they had big come from behind wins against the Astros and against against Cleveland. So they've been winning games. They've been winning games that they have to come from behind on. They've been winning games decisively. This is a tremendous run for the Yankees. And they've been getting much better pitching from people like CC Sabathia and Masahiro Tanaka than I thought they were going to. Tanaka struggled yesterday, but he never let the Red Sox get the knockout blow. And there's been struggles from people in their bullpen, but when they need to get the out, they've got the out. And when they need to get the big hit, they get the big hit. And when you have a team that's on a roll, that just seems like everything happens like that. You know, they've won, what, 17 out of 18 games. Now, it's interesting that the Red Sox, earlier this year, in April, they won 17 out of 18 games. And they looked unstoppable and won a series against the Yankees and won a series against the Angels. And then they got no hit by Sean Manaya of the A's. And since then, the Red Sox have been one game under 500. And from that day forward, from that exact day forward, the Red Sox ended their 17-8 run and the Yankees began theirs. But here's the thing. There are many things here. Here's the thing I'll say. The season is going to have a lot of ebbs and a lot of flows. The Yankees are currently on a pace to win 116 games. Do I think this team is going to win 116 games? No. No, I don't. The Red Sox were, in April, they're on a pace to win 140 games. Did I think they were going to win 140 games? No. No, I don't. At the beginning of the year, I predicted that the Yankees would win in the mid-90s and the Red Sox would win in the mid to low 90s. I picked the Yankees to win the division to be a few games ahead of the Red Sox. And all things being equal, right now, the Red Sox and the Yankees have the two best records in the American League. As it stands right now, 
the you know the Red Sox are playing 694 ball. Now over the course of 162 seasons, that's 112 wins. And the Yankees are on pace to win 116. Do I think either one of these teams are going to win over 110 games this year? No. No, I don't. Now, I did say before the season began that if the Yankees got good starting pitching, then they have a legit shot to win 100 games. And the starting pitching was a question mark. Was Severino an ace or was he a one-year wonder? CC Sabathia. Remember a few years ago, he only pitched a handful of games at an ERA north of five. And he's old and fat. Old, fat men who get injured and have an ERA north of five don't usually come back and reinvent themselves as an ace. And Tanaka had been very inconsistent last year. And Sonny Gray was a big old question mark. Well, Gray remains a question mark, but... uh, Tanaka has pitched well. Sabathia has reinvented himself, and he is pitching as well as he's pitched in years. And Severino has answered the question. Last year was not a fluke. He is an ace-caliber pitcher. So with all of these things in mind, the Yankees have a legit shot to win 100 games. Do I think the Red Sox are going to win 100 games? No, I don't. Uh, I think they'll win in the 90s. I certainly think they're a playoff team. I think the division is still there. I mean, when you think about the worst-case scenario, as a Red Sox fan, what is the worst-case scenario of tonight? They lose, what, 25 to nothing, and they get no hit. You know, that's, I mean, that is just utter humiliation. And if that happens, then there'll be two games out of first place with 125 games to play. In other words... A lot of time for ebbs and flows. Now, I wrote a thing on the Twitterverse yesterday. And I found it interesting the reaction that I got on something. Because I made a comment about how someone had said, can you imagine these two facing off in the, National, in the American League Championship Series, meaning the Red Sox and Yankees? And the, you know, the peak of the, you know, this rivalry is now being sparked. And it's something, as I said, it's brand new. Both teams have won recent world championships. They have turned the, you know, most of the players on the team uh, have not been on a World Series championship with the team. So there's a certain hungerness, but they have a, both teams have a smattering of people who return. You know, Sabathia, Gardner, Robertson's still on there. Um, you know, Xander Bogarts eventually, Dustin Pedroia will be back. And Jackie Bradley Jr. was on the 20, 2013 team. He wasn't in the World Series roster, but he, was, he and Brock Holt played on the team. So they're, you know, they're familiar faces from that. And the ghosts of world championship failures have been erased so it's a brand new kind of rivalry but as I wrote on the post I said no I can't imagine how these two are going to play in the ALCS against each other because they won't be playing in the ALCS against each other because one of the teams playing the ALCS is almost certainly going to be the Houston Astros now Steve Jones on Twitter follow him at CNYJanky that's Yankee with a J uh, replied to me, re- referring to my Astros comment, is that they better they have uh, they're going to have to start playing better to get there. That was his comment. The Astros have better start playing better 
to get to the ALCS. And I found that to be a fascinating comment. And I think it the perception is the Astros have been, you know, because they are not going on wild streaks, that they are somehow not playing as well. And the Yankees, of course, took, uh, beat them in the series in May. The Angels went on a big streak earlier this year. The Red Sox went on a big streak earlier this year. The Yankees are in the middle of a giant streak right now. The Astros have not had a massive streak. They had a six-game winning streak, which is fine, but it's not eye-popping. You know, it's not like, oh my God, they've won 20 out of 22 or whatever. No, they've gone on the old nice six-game winning streak and played well. So they haven't had that moment of people saying, oh my God, the Astros are dominating everyone. And the fact that the Angels are hanging around first and the Yankees beat them in that series, it creates this illusion that maybe, just maybe, the Astros aren't playing up to their... Uh, up to their preseason prediction. And yet, here we are. It's mid-May. They're in first place and on pace to win 99 games. Right, If they play the exact way they're playing right now, they'll finish the season with 99 wins, which should be enough to win the American League West. The Angels have played quite well. The Angels have a very good team, despite the fact that the Red Sox and the Yankees both kicked their asses. The Angels have a lot of talent on the team. I don't think they have, they, they don't have the talent that the Astros have. The Astros are just winning. They're playing 600 ball. They're not going on wild winning streaks. They're not going on crippling losing streaks. You hand the ball every day. Garrett Cole's pitching like an ace. Charlie Morton's pick, pitching like an ace. Justin Verlander's pitching like an ace. Lance McCullers Jr., pitching like an ace. Which means when you have four guys in there, you're not going to go on a prolonged losing streak. Dallas Keuchel, who won the 2015 Cy Young Award, is their number five starter at this point. Are there issues in their bullpen? Sure. Are they, are they crippling issues? Evidently not. They're on pace to win 99 games. They've had some of their players start off slowly. They've had some bad series here and there. Does that, has it knocked them down? No. Because they're on pace to win 99 games. This is a season where teams will go on great stretches. Hell, the Indians last year went on a stretch that was mind-boggling. Kind of like how the A's went on a stretch in 2002 that was mind-boggling. And neither one of those teams made it out of the division series. The Astros strike me as a team that's just going to be there. Constantly in first, constantly playing winning ball. And who knows, they may go on a great run where they win like 14 out of 15 games or whatever. But it's interesting that that's what the perception is. That they are not holding their own. That the great start by the Red Sox and the current pace that the Yankees are in hasn't been matched by the Astros. 
means that they aren't playing at the level where you would think of them in the ALCS. And I would say because the fact that they've played well during the Red Sox run and well during the Yankees run means that there is a element of consistency with this Houston team that will serve them quite well. You know, if you go into a best-of-five series knowing that they could have Dallas Keuchel come out of the bullpen, you know, you're going to start against Cole, and you could conceivably have Lance McCullers throwing game four. You could conceivably have Justin Verlander starting game three. Of course there could be injuries. Of course there could be slumps. But I think you could say the same thing about the Red Sox and the Yankees. Eventually the Yankees are going to go on a slump. The Red Sox may go on a prolonged slump, or they may go on a big winning streak. The Indians, who are like hovering right around 500 right now in first place, and they could make the playoffs, and who knows, they'll probably have a big burst and win 90-some-odd games, because I don't think they're a 500 team. And so, in the course of 162 games, there are ebbs and there are flows, then you have the Astros, who are super consistent. So, yeah. I still look at all this and say, yeah, Houston's still the team to beat. Houston, despite how they, the, the fact that the Yankees beat them a few weeks ago, or last week, whatever the hell it was, it doesn't change my opinion. It means that when the season ends, we will see where everyone is there. I believe, I stand by, look at this Yankee team. I think they're on a tremendous run right now. Absolutely tremendous. And you look at them and said, yeah, this is why people, including your pal Sully, picked them to win the American League East. Because they are a super talented team who answered their biggest questions, which was, how's their starting pitching going to look? Well, here we are. It's mid-May, and their starting pitching looks pretty good. Now, remember how I believe the season is broken down in terms of evaluation. In terms of evaluation, you have to get to Memorial Day, which is about two weeks from now. A little more than two weeks from now. And at that point, you take a good long look at your team. Now, for the Yankees, you got to take a look. They filled, they've already filled uh, some holes in their infield internally. So then you have to take a look at what their main issues are going to be. But they're a solid contender. The Astros may not have a hole to fix except via injury. And they are being super consistent. Now, I'll bring this up about the Red Sox. David Price is not pitching in the series against the Yankees. And he only pitched one inning in the loss of the series in Fenway. He's making $30 million. He's going to be making $30 million each of the next bunch of years. And because of that, there seems to be a pressure to say, well, he's being paid like an ace, so we've got to treat him like an ace. But the fact of the matter is this. He stinks right now as a starting pitcher. He, start, he got a couple of decent starts at the beginning of the year, and since then, he stinks. He's had hand issues. He's had arm issues. And then when he pitches, he stinks. And last year, he had hand issues. He had arm issues. And the Red Sox used him out of the bullpen. And what happened? 
He was very good. He pitched very well out of the bullpen. Pitched with aggressiveness. They, they, you know, he could air it out for a couple innings. And the Red Sox need help in their bullpen. The Red Sox had the lead in the eighth, and you just knew, you just knew that Barnes was not going to hold it. And they had to go to, they had to panic and bring Kimbrell in too soon. And next thing you know, they rallied in. It sucks. They need another arm out there. Now, you could say, man, what a waste. $30 million for a middle reliever. Sure. But here's the thing. The Red Sox are going to have to pay $30 million anyway. Even if they cut him, even if they pull a Sandoval, they have to pay. They're going to pay him 30 million tomatoes. So if you're going to pay him 30 million tomatoes, aren't you better off having him be effective as a reliever than being crappy as a starter? I mean, I mean, I'm sure you can make an analytical argument that being a lousy starter is more valuable to a team than being a good reliever. But right now, uh, I see the team having a bullpen need. And if the Red Sox can find a way to make a deal for a number four starter, because I think, you know, Sale is a number one. Porcello, yesterday's start notwithstanding, is a solid number two. Some combination of Pomerantz and Rodriguez are good at the uh, three and four. You get another, just a decent pitcher in there, an innings eater, hopefully. And then say, hey, Price, you're going to come in in the sixth or seventh. You'll give us about four or five innings a week in the middle innings. And be effective. Isn't that more valuable than having him start and then blowing the bullpen out? He pitched quite well in that role. And when Tim Lincecum took, you know, performed that role for the Giants when they won the 2012 World Series, I kept saying, I said on this podcast, take him out of the rotation, put him in the bullpen. He could be valuable there. And, oh, he's Timmy, he's an ace, he's a this, he's a that, he's a this, he's a that. But he would have been more valuable in the bullpen. Now, you know, it's hard to cry. I mean, they wound up winning another World Series. But Price has been stinking it up as a starter. So why not use him in a role where he could help? Instead of using the sunk cost fallacy, say, well, we're paying him to be a starter, so i got to throw him out there. Well, the Red Sox were paying Pablo Sandoval to be a starting third baseman. Now they're paying him to be a role player for the Giants. Put him back in the pen. Laugh all you want that they're spending $30 million. If he's effective and it makes the Red Sox better, then do it. But here, nothing is going to be resolved. If the Red Sox win today, they're tied for first in mid-May. If they lose, they're two games out in mid-May with a lot of games to play. What have we learned? We've learned that the Red Sox are really good and they could go on a really hot streak and they could be, you know, so-and-so as well. What have we found about the Yankees? They had their so-and-so at the beginning and now they're having their hot streak now. And what have we learned from the Astros? They're even keel. Which is why... As much as it would be great for baseball to see a Yankee team and a Red Sox team face off in the ALCS and to be able to look at each other and say, man, we are, we're, we're going at it. 
The rivalry is better than ever. I still believe it's going to be Houston. Because they have the horses to do it. They've been there. And they have the steady, steady hand. That being said, I'm going to, you know, I'm probably going to watch the game. But I may avoid it. Watching the two games, the first two games of the series were pretty stressful. And after yesterday's game where I was typing profanity onto Twitter, I felt like, why am I getting so worked up over this game in May? It's not going to decide anything. I know these games count as much now as they do later. And if they won, I'd be jumping up and down and counting the magic number and all that shit. The fact of the matter is, it's a marathon. And you can't get too excited when you're sprinting ahead. And you can't get too down when you're moving back to the middle of the pack. 162 games is a wonderful barometer of finding out what kind of team you are. And the Red Sox and Yankees are both playoff caliber teams. But so are the Astros. And they're not sprinting. And they're not falling back to the pack. Which is exactly the thing that makes them so dangerous. So, you know, whether the Sox win or not, I hope they do. And if they don't, the sun will rise, the sun will set. There will still be 125 games left to make sense of it all. And I'll be talking about all you know, those 125 games over the course of the season. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. You can check out the up-to-date standings of who owns baseball on MLBReports.com. You can be old school and send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Looking at the Rose Bowl, at the place where I live, but not where I'm from, this has been Sully Baseball for the 10th day of May, 2018. I'm yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.